Hi, I'm Lisa Brenner, letting you know that my new film, Say My Name, will be available in selected theaters and on demand starting June 14th. It's a madcap British comedy about love, one night stands, and criminals who shoot themselves in the leg. To find out more, go to the Say My Name Movie Facebook page or simply search the hashtag Say My Name Movie on whatever social media you use, and you might just see me in a sex scene. That's all I'm saying. Get ready to join the Inglorious Trexperts live at San Diego Comic-Con as they boldly go to the greatest Comic-Con on Earth. We'll be there, will you? Meet all your favorite and least favorite Inglorious Trexperts hosts as they talk Trek live and in person, only at San Diego Comic-Con. The 430 movie may be on hiatus, but we hope you'll join us at San Diego Comic-Con for a live recording of 1989 Week. As your favorite 430 movie hosts curate a fantasy theme week of 1989's greatest films. If you're a Star Wars fan, check out the Electric Surge Network's new podcast, The Rebel and the Rogue, in which two diehard Star Wars fans discuss a galaxy far, far away with special guests every week. We would be honored if you would join us. And welcome back to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we discuss interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Uh, I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steven Scarlatta. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'll be right even on. better when we finally finish <laughs> our epic, now four-part Spider-Man uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, if if you are just <laughs> randomly listening to this episode... Um, We've now done three parts. There's supposed to be two parts. It's supposed to be a two-part unmade Spider-Man films show, and it just keeps. There's just too much to talk about. Uh, and thank you so much to our guests Ed Greer and Ashley Miller for sticking with us through this epic, epic journey. You guys, you know, uh, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it, it, you know, there is a lot of stuff to our to our to our. Uh credit or whatever. Yes, it's a, it's <laughs> a lot a of lot material, of uh, and uh, we're all Spider-Man fans, so I think we have a lot to say on the topic, too. Um, well, since this is all spread out, though, over a little bit of time, we're not going to recap everything we talked about, but let's maybe recap a little bit <laughs> on you guys now, because uh, even if we put up one a week, it's still going to have been a whole month since I think we gave you guys a proper introduction. Uh, Mr. Ed Greer, who hosts a fantastic podcast called Nerd Goat, and why don't you tell us what GOAT stands for? Oh, uh, greatest of all time. And really, it's just sort of a, we were going to call it a who's your favorite, because <laughs> that's what it really was. Who's your favorite, what is your favorite fictional character of all time? And we do sort of a deep dive on your favorite uh, fictional character of all time. And it's been so long since our very first episode, I, my com- my uh, my uh, Comedy Central credit is actually a real thing now. Oh, yeah? So I'll be on Comedy Central on uh, April 26th, I think, uh, late night, I guess, uh, on a show called The New Negroes uh, with uh, Baron Vaughn and Open Mike Eagle. Oh, nice. All that jazz. So. Well, congratulations. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I, I actually became a real boy in the time, <laughs> <laughs> the time between our first episode and now. Uh, and we have Mr. Ashley E. Miller, who I was tempted to call you Ashley J. Williams. Uh, again. <laughs> right. Good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. I can't <laughs> shake it from my brain. 
Uh, was Agent Cody Banks, was that kind of your first, was that just a spec sale? No, that was a rewrite, man. Really? Uh, yeah, we'd been working on a uh, on a syndicated action show, uh, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, for about three seasons. And mm. we knew one of the producers on Cody Banks. It had been in development for about that long. Uh, and they finally had a window for Frankie Muniz. And they had a script that didn't work. And uh, we did a just huge page one rewrite on that. We just kind of went in and said, look, guys, you want to do James Bond by way of a teen romantic comedy. Here's how a James Bond movie works. Here's how a teen romantic comedy works. Here's what happens when you put the chocolate with the peanut butter. And they went, oh, well, crap. Why didn't we think of that? And then... You know, the rest was, you're was like, history. Because you're not me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my favorite kind of rewrite meeting of like, what would you do to fix this? Uh, write a different movie? You, you would be surprised <laughs> how effective it can be in those meetings to just not screw around. And if you think something sucks and it doesn't work, just to say, this doesn't work. Yeah. And here are all the reasons why. And here's how it wants to work. And here's why. And then they go, oh, because nine times out of ten, mm. when writers come in and meet on those things, they don't have the cajones... They don't have the the uh, the nerd goats to come in <laughs> and, <laughs> Some nerd and just call it like they see it. It's fascinating. Uh, and then you did you work on Fringe? I did. Yeah, you did a bunch of TV. Yep. You did some big Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, what's some stuff you've done recently? Um, let's see. So I was a, uh, a, a consulting producer on uh, the fourth season of Black Sails on Stars. Oh. Um, did the uh, the second season of uh, Lore for Amazon with Gail Ann Hurd. Um, and I am working on Redacted. <laughs> for Redacted. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I can't believe it. You heard it here first, folks. Um, redacted. They're a great redacted. studio. <laughs> I love Redacted. You should see their, uh, their contracts. Uh, I haven't because they're Redacted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are a great studio and or streaming service and or <laughs> Facebook Live and or. Uh, but we've been talking about them trying to make a Spider-Man movie all the way through the 80s. And we're now... Midway through the 90s, uh, we left off last time in the um, jimungus James Cameron scriptment for Spider-Man that he wrote in between Terminator 2 and True Lies. Um, and let's see, we left off uh, where Peter Parker, our intrepid hero, uh, was trying to, or was being seduced by our villain, Carlton Strand, a.k.a. Electro. You have really pretty hair. Yeah. <laughs> you that seem lithe like a... body under that uniform. <laughs> you seem like a super cool dude. Is that a wetsuit? I like wetsuits. Uh, this is the last one to get that joke. <laughs> um, but and for those who don't remember, uh, Electro is basically like Mr. Glass from Unbreakable in this movie, where he's just wants Peter to be his buddy. He's like got all the money he could ever need. Uh, he's compared to Trump at the beginning of the scriptment, which is always kind of weird to think of how long we've lived with Trump mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. I had a Trump board game when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's a super like, cut of rap lyrics that mention Trump, Trump, and it's 15 minutes long. That's amazing. <laughs> you know. um, but so he's like a guy on top. Uh, there really isn't a villain plot like it's not like Doc Ock trying to build his machine um, it's just hey hang out with me and well, uh, as, let's as, be awesome oh, together well, yeah, as Ashley brilliantly said last episode uh, it's sort of a, more of a fight between Peter and himself and whether or not he's going to accept certain darker aspects of himself 
that this seems being to be the, the greater dark crux. aspect. Where, yeah, where it's just like, yeah, let's let's <clears throat> do I steal be some money with this rich guy? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't actually need me to break into places because he can apparently just walk up to Bank of America, <laughs> touch the wall, and become a multimillionaire. Uh, well, is it worth saying really quick who the rumored? Electra was supposed to be. Um, it was supposed to be Lance Hendrickson, which I, would be great. Yeah, mm. I can't. I can't find proof of any of the cast. There, there's like a cast going around for this movie that's been out there forever, and I have never been able to track down where it all came from. But I feel like it sounds because of the fact that it's got DiCaprio, well, uh, and I feel like this all surfaced post Titanic anyway, and has Lance Hendrickson, it has Michael Bean, and Sam Man, and. Schwarzenegger. I feel like a lot of this was just fan internet talk. Well, yeah, it was also supposed to be Edward Forlong was also up for Spider-Man as well. That was the other rumor. Yeah, different Spider-Man. Very, very nineties. Yeah, and then also, and then there was a bunch of false ones like DiCaprio as Harry Osborn because he's not in the script. Harry Osborn, and then Drew Barrymore as Gwen Stacy. She's not in the script, so those are obviously, you know, and then Ari. R. Lee Ermey as J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, that's what I always thought when I was a kid. Yeah. I was like, it's yeah. got to be him. It's Once I saw Full Metal Jacket, I was like, that's J. Jonah you Jameson. You are a genius, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can come over to my house and web up my sister. <laughs> <laughs> or at least hang outside our window like a weird yeah. <laughs> yeah, But The only cast member that was ever really written about I could find was Leonardo DiCaprio. And so, and then um, Robin Live. Robin Lively as Mary Jean Watson. I believe she was the redhead from the Cry Kid Three. She was no. Oh, is that her? No. That, Robin Lively. Oh, Cry Kid Three. I was thinking next Karate Kid. Was oh, that's Hillary Swank. Yeah. Swank, yeah. Um, I don't sure. remember. She was in Teen Witch. I yeah, think. that's there. You She's go. Blake Lively's older sister. Mm. Fun fact. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, and that's pretty much it for the cast. I just thought maybe I'd put some actors in people's in heads. People's minds. Because once I saw like. Electro as Lance Hendrickson. I kind of started seeing it. He would have been cool. Yeah, he would have been pretty dope. But but speaking of Peter creeping outside of women's windows, um, so uh, for fresher from last one, so far in this scriptment, there's a lot of kind of creeping on women, um, (laughs) violence against women, and Peter saving them from said violence. Mm. So it's interesting that where we were in this scene, so uh, he's in strands like, you know, uh, fancy condo or whatever, and he's kind of starting to believe this Anne Randian stuff that, he, that he's saying he's being seduced. And then what the breaking point is when Strand basically offers him his girlfriend Cordelia as like oh. <laughs> oh, it's like a sex gift. Um, and Cameron notes he's not interested in a girl with values that screwed up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little screwed up, but not that screwed up. <laughs> so that's it's when like, Spider-Man... It's like that YouTube video, the guy with like the hot crazy matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but that's when Spider-Man's like, uh, no, and they start fighting, and he's Strand is basically destroying his mans- mansion, shooting lightning bolts at <laughs> Spider-Man, and Spider-Man keeps jumping out of the way. Uh, oh, I don't think I, we specified. He is Spider-Man and all this stuff. He didn't go over there as Peter. He's wearing his like mask and stuff, mm. I believe. Um, this is their intro. It's like, I don't know you guys yet. I don't know how you party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spider-Man gets away, and the strand, typical of him, as we were noting, the kind of lack of of 
<laughs> conflict here. Uh, he's mostly intrigued, even though he just destroyed his whole place. But he's a billionaire, so what does he care? And he's kind of just like, I like this kid, you know? <laughs> he's got penthouses <laughs> all over New York that uh, he just blows yeah. up for no damn good reason. Um, and then in a real baller rich guy move, he buys the TV station that J. Jonah Jameson works for and is basically like, <laughs> turns it into, you know, the Fox News of... Spider-Man world was like I want an all anti-Spider-Man uh, <laughs> Which, news campaign again. It's something that just I feel I want to object to a little bit because J. Jonah Jameson never needed a hell of a lot of motivation to be a thorn in Spider-Man's side, right? It's yeah. always his thing, and so in a way, um, Jameson kind of gets his his agency taken away and without a lot of point to it like you could take that entire piece of the story out much like uncle ben you could get rid of it mm. and it wouldn't change oh, what's totally. happening in the movie just fast especially his character like it's the, not really an obstacle it serves a purpose of highlighting that the public is turning against spider-man but jenny J-, J-, J. jonah jameson had nothing to do with it that's right like, mm. um but that's how we enter again spider-man kind of being is he going to get seduced by the darkness? Because um, Strand's plan is that he wants Spider-Man to sour on humanity. He wants him to view that like you are like one of this new form of evolution, and we should dominate this world. Um, we get like a montage of uh, Strand hires goons to dress up as Spider-Man and go around and rob stores and push over old ladies and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Spider-Man gets his costume fucked up, so he needs a new costume. I like this detail, though. Now he's so famous, though, that they just have Spider-Man costumes in stores. <laughs> so he just goes and buys a store-bought one, which seems like it would kind of suck, though. Because yeah. I, I, I had a store-bought Spider-Man costume when I was a kid, and it was garbage. Great. No, that, that, I think, out of all the things in this that are wrong <laughs> that's the most wrong that well, he would ever be able to needed, fight crime when some well also that he's this is the guy who decided that we needed some excuse of why people aren't like he must be really shooting webs out of his arm but <laughs> it didn't it didn't occur to him that a Halloween Spider-Man costume would I, I'd like to imagine it was the one I literally had was, was that horrible rigid plastic mask with the world's crappiest rubber band that oh, would always, always snap have. and you had yeah. to keep retying it the tiny pin holes to make yeah. sure that you wanted into traffic. Right. Yeah. It always got all steamy like yeah. when you were breathing yeah. into it. Especially if you had glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't see. You couldn't... Anyway. It was too warm. <laughs> Kids these days don't know how good they have it. <laughs> um, we get a nice scene where a little kid looks out on his uh, fire escape and Spider-Man's puking all over <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> did he eat too many b- bodega burritos? What what happened? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, good stuff. Um, oh yeah, and then uh, page thirty-seven here. I'll just read this. So he busts some thieves, only to find out that they are just a bunch of kids like himself. One of the kids runs, trying to escape, and slips off a fire escape. Peter tries to catch him, but can't. The kid hits the street and dies. Just kids, needing some money in a tough world, just like him. The line between good and evil is getting blurred. Man slaughter Spider-Man. <laughs> so, Tune in next time when yeah. Spider-Man will be heard to say, Shit. Spider-Man slaughter. Oh, Spider-Man! If we're gonna, uh, uh, we're definitely gonna get to it. Oh, Spider-Man has some spicy oh, language. Yeah, 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 he does. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I am so excited for that. 
And then this is followed up by he steals money from some drug dealers and seems like maybe he's going to be, was that Omar from The Wire? Was that the guy (laughs) who only robbed other drug dealers? Um, But showing that Cameron's not sending him full bat. He ends up Robin Hooding it, and he, like, dumps it over the cities. We're like, yeah, it's raining money. Um, Let's see. Oh, now in Strand, meanwhile, he steals some of Spider-Man's, or he's, like, tracking all the Spider-Man sightings, you know, up on his... uh, war room board uh like the fbi and pinpoints that spider-man must live in queens uh Mary G- <laughs> and then meanwhile in a romantic subplot uh mary jane ends up going on the news to defend spider-man uh and then we got i got another scene here to read out you're up again steve Give it some oh, real the, feeling. There's more Cordelia? No, no, no. Now, now we get some we? Mary Jane. <laughs> okay. Because um, so he's like, basically, he's like, thanks for sticking up for me on the news. I'm going to bring you up on the top of a different famous New York landmark. <laughs> Which page, uh, page 40. Okay. Um, so he brings her up. Nine. Nine. He brings her up to the top <laughs> of the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, let's see, and she stands with her back against a girder, needing to feel something solid. Spider-Man stands <laughs> <will>. before her, <laughs> a perfectly formed male silhouette with a soothing <laughs> low voice. Courtship among spiders is highly ritualized. It varies from species to species. The male spider may circle the female or wave his front legs to signal that he is not prey. <laughs> Hot, <laughs> waving his front legs. <laughs> Spider-Man moves in a hypnotic arc around it. By the way, uh, people should go online and, watch and the video Google um, Peacock Spider Mating Dance because uh, very funny stuff. I, and this I is all I can picture. Peacock Spider Mating Dance. <laughs> you guys are great. In the 90s. I'm still waiting for reti- reunion. <laughs> um, but just but saying that he's going around doing a little hypnotic mating dance is all I can imagine him doing. He raises his hands and dance-like movement lowers them. The female usually signals her willingness by an uncharacteristic passivity. MJ takes a deep breath. Her lip trembles. Her knees are weak. Her eyes, though, are steady gazing in a silhouette before her. She doesn't move or speak. He moves closer. Sorry. <laughs> In certain crab spiders, such as Zysticus, the male will attach strands of silk to the female, tying her limbs. Spider-Man moves his hand gracefully across her, and she sees the sheer-like silk webbing glinting in the moonlight. Uh, oh, yeah, first one wrist, then the other. Hypnotic movement in the moonlight. Her arms are bound to the wall. Her breathing gets more rapid. Since the female can break free at any time, the bonds have only symbolic significance. The male must be very bold to take such liberties with the predatory female. <laughs> S- settle down, yes. Steve. You're getting, I'm sorry. It's getting steamy in here. Uh, <laughs> Is that Kathleen Turner? No, I don't know about this baby. <laughs> yes, he is very bold, but he must also trust her. He moves his eyes very slowly. Close your eyes. He removes his mask and kisses her. Their mouths very slowly and very sensually devour each other. Call me, Steve. (laughs) Peter and MJ are locked together. He is is mesmerizing, gentle, powerful. He pushes up her skirt. They make love high above the world. She doesn't look 
end scene. Dude, it, it's like, it turns into like basic instinct. <laughs> you know, Carolco was like, yo. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Have you ever heard clips Seriously. from the like Bill O'Reilly novel he wrote, where he read his own audiobook? Oh. That's got that. I want him to read this the same way he read the sex scenes in that book. We'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now Mary Jane, who had been in all their lab, you know, their lab class where their partners had been grossed out by spiders, but now we cut to the next day and she's like stroking a tarantula and all her friends are like, what well, happened I think to she you? was stroking a tarantula. Yeah. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, uh, Boyd had been following Spider-Man much in the same way. Spider-Man had always been following Mary Jane. <laughs> Uh, By the transitive property of stalking, yeah. boy has always been following Mary Jane. <laughs> and he's it's like, turning into uh, something about Mary over here. Yeah. He's like, busted. You care about this person. We're going to kidnap her. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how this would have worked. This feels like the kind of thing that's like easy to write until you actually have to figure mm-hmm. out how it's going to work. But Strand gives uh, an edited tape of Boyd kidnapping Mary Jane to Jameson, and in the edited tape, it looks like Spider-Man kidnaps her? Now, this is another one of those (laughs) scenes that you would want to have for the movie that you would shoot because you wanted to and then never put in it, which is, it was just Strand talking to his editor. Yeah. Right? (laughs) (laughs) The editor is kind of taking the footage and kind of putting it together. No, cut cut right there. I'll be the guy to have it. I'll be the guy to have it. He's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm really just going to frame fuck this for a second. Just put up with me. Take 10 frames. Yeah. No, eight. Eight. Sorry, sorry. Go back, go back, go back. Put it back, put it back. You're right. I was wrong. Yeah, so now the whole world's out to get Spidey. Uh, so Spidey goes to Strand's place, but he's left. Cordelia's dead. The SWAT team busts in. I find this kind of funny because the police were already after him for being after Mary Jane. But he's like, now I need to frame him for murder, too. <laughs> 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 uh, and then he ties Mary Dra- Jane to the Mary train Drain. tracks. <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't happen. Uh, he brings her back to the top of the World Trade Center observation deck. Um, and we got some some good stuff to read here. <laughs> got two two strand bits here for you, mm-hmm. Ed. Yep. All right. But wait a minute. Uh, I'm on. I got page 41, and then I just go to 45. Oh, 45. Oh, okay. <clears throat> lead us so off. this is uh, yeah. Spider Man so shows set the up. Scene, yeah. Yeah. Spider Man shows up. They're on the World Trade Center observation deck. Boyd's there. They have Mary Jane held captive. All right. It's a myth. That people need heroes. People hate heroes. Heroes make them feel bad by creating examples they can never live up to. As long as the media can show day after day that the people they respect and admire are just as twisted inside as they are, they are reassured. They can sleep at night. They can face their puffy. <laughs> they can face their puffy faces in the mirror that. in the morning. Ouch! America burn. <laughs> MJ looks at Spider-Man. It is impossible to read his expression through the mask uh, from her presence, though by clever lighting we will be able to see the uncertainty in his eyes. There's a couple points in here where Cameron's just like, but don't worry about it. We want Spider-Man to play it with a look. And he's just like, but I'm a great director, so I'll figure it out. Um, Misery loves company, and everybody's miserable. You run around in your long underwear, coming off to them like some holier-than-thou saint. Mr. My Socks Don't Smell. <laughs> You're, <Burn>. heading... <laughs> You're heading for a big fall. They hate you. Uh, skip to the next page. 
uh, just uh, take up with the yeah, line yeah. Uh, you can take off the costume, but you will always be the Spider-Man. It's uh, just Spider-Man. My Call point back. is, you are not a hero. You are a spider. <laughs> it's something you don't have a choice in. And spiders are predators. They kill to live. They live to kill. They are not hampered by human humanitarian ideals or impeded uh, in their lethal efficiency by delusions of morality. They are pure, powerful as God made them. They are no merciful spiders. There are no vegetarian spiders. It is now time for you to face and accept your true nature. I wonder if there are any vegetarian spiders. Right, or like vegan ones, or like um, they like ask the fly if they come in gluten-free versions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now really summing up what we've been talking Grass about fed. with Strand this whole time. <laughs> um, this whole time is that, granted, Mary Jane has been abducted. She's in danger. But Strand's big move here is that he has gone to the bank, probably sent Boyd to the bank, mm. had him get $250 million in cash, which is just up there, and he's basically like, ah! $250 million in cash, which, cash, which I think is more than Marvel Studios had in pocket yeah. when they started development yeah, yeah. on Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> right? He could be a movie studio. What's he doing? He can make five Spider-Man sequels in $1990. Wow. Um, but it is interesting because I feel like at this point, uh, Spider-Man's past the, am I going to succumb to the darkness? So it's just kind of like, no. I'm not, like, but look at all the money I printed out. That took so much time. You only do it thousand dollars at the ATM. Yeah, yeah. They're just standing there waiting yeah. for it to spit out. Just come oh, I had to go all over town. It was so <laughs> annoying. Just Spider-Man swinging in with like a case of those uh, Scarface money counters. <laughs> <laughs> just plopping them down. All right, let's get to work. Making sure this is 250 million. It says it's neatly stacked six feet tall by eight feet long. <laughs> so it's like it's oh, a lot of scene in the dark night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. And then he just strand starts uncle scrooging it and he's like swimming around. He's like, Look at this sweet money. Come on in, the water's fine. Um, but again, Spider Man's like, uh no, I don't need your big pile of cash. Let my girlfriend go. Uh let's go to page forty nine here. We've we've oh, finally done it, guys. God. We've oh, reached we the greatest scene in Ugh. the movie. All right, so remember the top. Strand moves without warning, grabbing Mary Jane before Peter can pull her away. She feels the current running through her. Peter lunges forward and Strand turns up the juice. Mary Jane cries out. Peter stops. He can only watch helplessly as Strand toys with her life. Strand grabs her head and kisses her. The voltage makes her hair shoot straight out. She starts doing the what to see. <laughs> <laughs> See how power turns women on? <laughs> he breaks the kiss. The lap... Uh, I got a watermark there. Oh, she slaps the shit out of him. <laughs> and he kisses her again. This time, I didn't realize the watermark was covering up such a great line. Uh, this, he kisses her again, this time at a much higher voltage. M.A. starts to convulse wildly. Meanwhile, Sandman has dissolved and is flowing across the floor. He reforms behind Peter and grabs him grabs him in a grip of solid rock. Peter struggles as Strand electrocutes MJ. She bucks and goes still. Her head lolls back and Peter sees her eyes, staring eyes, pupils fixed, dilated, dead as they come. Peter can only stare in horror. Hmm. What should we do? Call 911? I'll kill you, motherfucker! You hear me? You're dead, you sick bastard! See? That's my point exactly. 
You are a killer, kid. You got it in you. Why don't you accept it? You want to rip my throat out right now. Well, yeah, you're killing my girlfriend. <laughs> a great improv. Thank you. Peter or St- Strand puts his hand on MJ sternum and zaps her with a defibrillating pulse. She arches, then relax, relaxes. Her chest starts to move. She opens her eyes weakly, seeing Strand looking down on her. So that was it. Mm. Peter Parker <laughs> screamed, motherfucker. Has he, has he ever done that? before? <laughs> I don't think You know, I haven't seen all the movies super recently, it, yeah. but I feel very confident saying that he does not scream motherfucker <laughs> to anybody in any movie. So I'm the only Spider-Man who's ever screamed motherfucker. Yes, that's so. yeah. true. Right, cool. That's, uh, that's that going on the Guinness. That is true. Yeah. Right next to those fat dudes on the motorbikes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right in there. And then so, <clears throat> battle starts, uh, you know, now, now they're fighting Peter gets MJ, whisks her away to safety to the other tower. Uh, this weird moment where he's like letting her into the stairwell and she turns around and says, I love you. And he says, cool. You know what? <laughs> That's not bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little kind of knowingly, I love you, I know. But uh, yeah. it, it, it's like, it's one of those, those few moments in this thing where I felt like he was kind of Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Just in terms of the attitudes, cool. I kind of dug that. Mm. And I could see I Edward Furlong doing that too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Delivering that line. <laughs> cool. yeah. I just want him to do it like thumbs up style. Like, cool! <laughs> yeah! Oh, boy! <laughs> yeah, baby, I gotta go. He, just, he, he temporarily jumps up into a freeze frame like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> or it was going to be Leo, you know, that classic Leo meme where he's doing his like jaunty walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so Strand uses his powers to like bend a big like metal pole from one tower to the other, so he can walk across it like a bridge, all badass. Um, and like I was saying, sometimes Cameron has like these little things where he doesn't really explain it, but it's just like, trust me, I'm James Cameron. This is, <laughs> this is my this is my favorite one though. In all caps, this first sentence: "The final battle is joined. It's a real barn burner, vicious and elemental. I won't bore you with the details, right?" Right now, but it's big. <laughs> uh, Strand is like sucking up power from all around town. Brownouts and blackouts happening all over Manhattan. Um, would have been a pretty cool effect. Imagining how Cameron would have done it. Uh, Spidey basically like tr- pulls Sandman in front of him, <laughs> like human shield, like Arnold would do. Uh, and Strand blasts Sandman with electricity, which like fuses all the sand, so he just turns into like molten glass, dead. Um, Spider-Man pulls Strand over the ledge. They're falling between towers. They end up like sticking to the wall. Uh, and this final scene to read here. Uh, so Strand is bre- Strand is bleeding badly and broken inside, dying. Peter's mask is ripped half off by the fight. He pulls off pulls it off his head, showing his face to Strand for the first time. What's your name, kid? Parker. Peter Parker. Peter Parker. So what are you, senior in high school? Yeah, I graduate next week. Strand chuckles weakly, coughing up blood from ruptured lungs. Unbelievable. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> so then Peter takes the $250 million in cash, and once again, Robin Hood's it across the city. So people are just grabbing <laughs> cash out of the air. Um, and then for our Dana Mott, we're back at school. Uh, 
Peter approaches MJ, who still doesn't know that he's Spider-Man, and he tells her to close her eyes. She does. Then he kisses her. I still feel like she would react too quickly to be like, why is Peter Parker... Uh, attack no me way she dodges space. spider-man he's yeah. too fast but um <laughs> but she realized she's like oh i recognize this kiss from one of those times i made out with spider-man yay now we know <laughs> who we spider-man uh but then one final weird beat flash shows up tries to beat up peter um and it's basically kind of like the scene in raimi's film where Peter beats up Flash by like ducking out of the way and causing Flash to punch and kick things and hurt himself. Sort of Mr. Miyagi Karate Kid too. Yeah, kind of an odd, <laughs> odd way to end the movie. But then the very end, uh, we got one last bit here is we finally return to our him hanging upside down from the <laughs> twin towers that we've been cutting back to throughout the movie. Cut to Spider-Man still hanging. Mary Jane and I got accepted to different colleges. Wouldn't you know it? But we see each other every weekend. Her grades are better than mine, but I blame it on the heavy hours. It's not easy being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Takes it out of you. Well, it's a school night. Gotta fly. Be good. He pushes <laughs> off the off from the mass, swinging an arc over the edge of the roof, paying off, paying out web-like. What? Like stupid. Paying out <laughs> web-like. Uh, he drops <laughs> like an express elevator towards the street below. <laughs> Tilting down, we follow as he becomes a black dot above the sea of lights. A tiny spider going home. Don't call me tiny. The <laughs> end. Oh, beautiful. So oh. I like to think that um, when he sat down to actually write the screenplay, that Cameron would have taken a second look at a lot of the issues. I think he would. This is just an outline. Yeah, exactly. It's like you can tell, man, that he's sitting there and he's <clears throat> writing so much of this in a white heat and he is just yeah. getting yeah. it out. It has that feel to me. Well, he um, probably had his lazy Susan. Exactly. He was also writing. <laughs> he was also jamming out other yeah. stuff. It's like this thing called Avatar. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we were saying in the last episode, he handed this in right before he went off to do True Lies. And at the time, True Lies was like $180 million. The most expensive movie ever mm -hmm. made so you could see why it was probably written in a hurry as well because you have all you know going yeah, through a lot yeah, yeah you're prepping world. this enormous film yeah 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 and this is still not the end of the spider-man <laughs> adventure because obviously this movie didn't get made no. uh and steve do you want to kind of launch into yeah, this I, next phase of disasters next phase of well, well one <laughs> well one one-off really quick is that something I brought up really quick in our Johnny Quest episode was that in 94 to 98 there was a Spider-Man animated series on Fox and it never had an origin story because this movie was supposed to be the origin story to that cartoon and that yeah. cartoon well, this one is for well, the kids different now. people owned <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly because different yes. companies owned the feature and the TV rights so I think it was Viacom or whoever had the TV rights were like oh James Cameron's doing one and as we were just talking about before the mic started rolling. Uh, animation takes a long time, so I'm sure they're like, "We'll have this show ready to go right before the Jim Canton movie comes out." Mm -hmm. Oops. Oops. Although that show was great, so yeah, was not actually. not too big of an oops. And when I guess also the 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 show was missing the villains Electro and Sandman because they were because they were in this film, and that's why they were left out of that TV series. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting, but they're our, both dead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. That's why. Also. Which, which, by the way, it's pretty crazy because it's like three origin stories in that script for a first movie. I mean, I guess he was trying to top Batman Returns because 
There's mm. two villains and but anyway, all right. There was a crazy liter- litigation as we talked in the last episode. Golan pre-sold television rights to Viacom and home video to Columbia TriStar, and then he signed a deal with Corelco. Or Corelco? Corel- I, I, I never saying anything right. Corelco. <laughs> I always know it sounds like a razor. So, and then Golan wanted to produce a credit. So anyway, um, when Corelco signed it, James Cameron. They used his Terminator 2 contract, and his Terminator 2 contract, it gave him the right to decide on all credits. So he's James Cameron, and he pretty much didn't want the guy from Canon attached to his film and with all the ads going out, so he left them out. And then Galan saw the ads, he wasn't on them, and, you know, if you listen to the last three episodes, he's been aboard since day one. So April 27th, 1993, that's when all the lawsuits began and began almost like this eight-year process. So in 1993, um, um, Golan sues, you know, uh, Golan sues Corelco, and then Corelco sues Viacom and TriStar to do away with the television and home video rights, and then Sony and Viacom count to sue 21st Century. And then July 1994, you know, True Lies is released. And in 1994 and 1995, this is when James Cameron would have probably made this movie, but unfortunately it was all tied up at that moment. So my thing is that 94, 95, he would have made this and this, seeing that Aliens, The Abyss and Terminator 2 and True Lies came out during the summer, I'm thinking if he was able to make it, it would have came out summer 96 against Independence Day, Twister and Mission Impossible or maybe 97 summer against Men in Black and Lost World and Batman and Robin. <laughs> That's my theory of when it would have actually been made. Mm. But at that point in 95, Corelco goes bankrupt because of the disasters of Cutthroat Island and Showgirls. And then MGM purchases Corelco's Spider-Man rights during the bankruptcy. They acquire all of 21st Century's film library and assets and all the rights to the versions and drafts of the Spider-Man screenplays. And then Marvel goes bankrupt around the same time, and lawyers discover that they had sold overlapping licenses for the Spider-Man films. Which people remember from the last episode is why I'm not a millionaire who owns Marvel stock. (laughs) (laughs) And then October 1995, Cameron announces he's doing Titanic. And 1998, Marvel emerged from the bankruptcy with a reorganization plan that merged the company with Toy Biz. And James Cameron was never heard from again. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a quote from Cameron when he was asked about it in 98 uh, after Titanic and he'd won all his Oscars and stuff. Uh, he says, well, here's where I am at philosophically. I'm 44. I make a movie every two or three years. It should be something that I create. With that amount of time and energy that I put into a film, it shouldn't be somebody else's superhero. Fair enough. Makes sense. Yeah, and then 1999, March 2nd, is when all the rights are untangled. And oh, then- I was going to say, I got a quote from, uh, where was that? Oh, from Tom Rothman, who was then... Uh, head of production at 20th Century Fox said all this legal legal stuff was without a without a doubt it's the most complicated and tortured rights process I've ever seen. Uh, it was just I mean it was the kind of thing where even at the time as someone who didn't 
you know, I was too young to be interested in like reading like movie news train stuff. <laughs> I feel like this is so big that you would even kind of hear about it. That there's mm-hmm. like that's why Spider Man didn't happen. That's why Marvel's going bankrupt. It's just like an ongoing disaster. Yeah, and I left out a bunch of stuff too because oh, we'd be yeah, here all, all day. day. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, so now before we get to the next script, this is uh, I love this detail so much. Um, and as someone who's written some Marvel movies, Ash, I'm sure can appreciate this. So once Marvel kind of got back on its feet, got through its bankruptcy, all the legal entanglements had been undone. Marvel at that point then had the rights back and could sell them to somebody new, but they were just desperate for money. And so Marvel offered Sony almost all the Marvel characters for $25 million. Wow. But a guy at Sony, an exec named Yair Landau, um, was basically was like, nobody gives a shit about any of the Marvel characters <laughs> except of people for Spider-Man. <laughs> so in his mind, he was like, we're paying $25 million for Spider-Man. That's ridiculous. So they like, no, we only want Spider-Man and we'll pay $7 million. Oh, my God. Ugh. So that guy's... Yeah. That guy, himself. he's like, you know, an alcoholic, like, you know, <laughs> on the streets of some town in Canada nobody's ever heard of, trying to tell everybody, I, I could have bought them all. Yeah. yeah. I, I could have bought them all. It's like, so, yeah, get this old man playing Pokemon out of here. Yeah. This dude's crazy. So I guess what we're saying, if there's a crazy homeless guy who lives in your neighborhood named Yerlando, give this guy a hug, because <laughs> oh, he yeah. knows what he did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But now, yeah, so then Sony got Spider-Man, and they hired Sam Raimi. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, there was another litigation with writers, and that's another thing, and that was in May 2001. Well, that quite hasn't quite happened yet. Oh, May 2001. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Because they hired David Kapp, who wrote uh, Jurassic Park, um, among many things, to do Spider-Man script, and, again, there was some, some of the Ted Newsom in particular who wrote... You guys recall the very first of the Doc Ock Spider-Man mm-hmm. scripts that was then just endlessly redone again and yeah. again. Uh, when David Kep finished his first draft, which was becoming the production draft, uh, at that time, Doc Ock was still in it, and Ted Newsom felt that he should have the script arbitrated. Having read that script now, and Ed read it as mm-hmm. well, um, I do not think he would have won that arbitration, no. but the WGA refused to arbitrate it, which, as a member of the WGA, I think is bullshit. Well, um, <laughs> in the arbitration process, if there was a, uh, there was a question about whether or not um, he had um, a right to arbitrate. Before it even goes to the arbitration committee, there is actually a pre-arbitration hearing that is also writers and uh, WGA legal. And what you have to establish is that um, that what you have contributed uh, is substantially present in the material um, that the that the guild is reviewing mm-hmm. um, and that there are original adaptation choices that you're making, not just that you're the first writer to touch it, but that um, that there are decisions that you made uh, that are unique that have been followed through in every draft that kind of goes ahead. So there's a whole thing. Like I, I've been in some crazy arbitrations on on both sides, and it gets very heated. I mean, I, I will tell you that everybody and their mom, you know, has a spec somewhere for every superhero movie ever made, mm-hmm. and every single one of these idiots like has. I mean, now obviously Newsom is different because he was actually a a paid writer, but these things happen 
all the time, especially with the big franchise properties, um, simply because they are so like, especially when you're talking about things that have been in development for a long time. Um, you know, a, a great case of that is the uh, Fantastic Four: uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and how uh, credit got arbitrated in that. I mean, a lot of the credit in that film came down to a Silver Surfer script that had nothing to do with that movie, um, and yet the credits seem to reflect the existence of that script. So it cuts both ways. It gets mm-hmm. it gets super weird, super fast, because there is just a ton of material out there. I mean, like I said, I don't think, if it had been arbitrated, I don't think he would have. Nope. There's actually more similarities in Kep's script with Cameron's scriptment than there mm-hmm. are. It's basically just that Doc Ock is right. in yeah. it. Hey, he, look, you use my Wiener character. Right. <laughs> my Wiener. Now, well, Wiener no. still Wiener was there. If Wiener was in there, yeah, it was he might right. have had hey, a you case. you got my Wiener in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what he saw was Peter throwing away his eyeglasses scene and the Thorkal character that pushes Doc Ock over the edge. He saw that stuff, and then that's when he reached out to them. Yeah. And then all the other writers joined in, Laloja, uh, Ethan Wiley, and Ruttenberg, and... But then, uh, and then eventually, you know, Coep gets the the main screenplay credit. So, but this was interesting. Uh, I heard Ted Newsom on an interview, and he said, "I'm not sure if James James Cameron ever wrote a word of anything. There were writers who work with him who mostly remain anonymous. That's pretty much what happened with the Spider-Man thing. So I was always so that's that's I that's an Wait, that's in- someone claiming he." Didn't Had somebody else write this for him? Yeah, so that's a very well, interesting there's a, there's theory. There's another section of the of the Lazy Susan and Will Wisher. <laughs> yeah, was yeah. at that part going ah okay. Right. And it's like, you know, well, there's just people actually working at the other sides of the Lazy Susan. <laughs> yeah. He just keeps like moving it around. <laughs> well, I, I wonder because it's like the the. Like it's like you said earlier, Joe Estahouse. It feels like him with the sex scene, with the bondage, and yeah, the I'm pretty wet sure suit. Joe would have put his name on it though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But anyway, I I thought that was an interesting quote. I thought I'd read it. So, I feel like he wrote it. Yeah, and it's then, got enough of the hallmarks of his uh, mm-hmm. writing style. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually have a page of aliens well, framed it's, it's up on funny. my wall, and it's, it's just, very very similar. Yeah, in it's tone, just funny the that blocking. somewhere somebody is debating on who wrote Shakespeare's plays, and we're debating on who wrote this. This, this <laughs> Spider, this unused. It was Spider-Man actually script. Francis Bacon wrote this script. That's the weird part, and there's well, a lot of evidence for it, you guys. Well, it is it is noteworthy just since we've been talking about everything else up till now to talk about this first. I don't know what you call it, first draft, but the first. David Kep's script that I guess made it far enough in production that Ted Newsom was trying to get arbitrated on that one, not the one they actually shot. Um, well, see, which, that's the other problem because you don't go into arbitration on like scripts that are in development. Yeah. <laughs> like it has to actually be shot and cut and finished, and like you actually have to have a finished screenplay to even begin a process. Yeah, although I suppose conspiracy theory. Well, basically, before we get to that, so the script, not even that much to talk about. It's pretty much what you saw in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1 with the major addition that, aside from Norman Osborn becoming the Green Goblin, uh, on page 48, we also meet Dr. Otto Octavius, who works for Osborn at his company. Um, and then there's kind of this I should note in this, his tentacles are called arms, not Waldos. Waldos, <laughs> Waldos and wieners. Hey, we got to keep the Waldos and wieners out of there so that this Newsome guy is going to get us. Um, but uh, 
in this one, Norman's a way bigger dick to Harry, and he's basically like, I want to show you how to be tough. So he like brings Harry, and he's like, I'm going to fucking fire this auto guy because his stocks... This <laughs> is like, like the great Santini. Yeah. <laughs> his like, stock great options cool. are about to vest tomorrow or something, and I don't want to pay him, so I'm going to fire him one day before he's going to start making more money. Little goblin going to cry? Yeah. <laughs> so then Doc Ock freaks out and attacks Norman, and they both blow up in this big explosion, which turns him into Green Goblin and Doc Ock into Doc Ock. Um, mm. But what, the weird thing about it and why I was going to say my conspiracy theory might also be that they just part of why they cut out Doc Ock is so there was no similarities well, with the earlier scripts, mm. but if, never forget script, that very... nobody ever, nobody has ever in this town made an adjustment to a movie that was in development and no. production to protect a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that's why it's a conspiracy thing. Right. But the real reason just seems to be you read it and you're just kind of like, oh, the script's pretty great, except it's kind of weird whenever we cut back to Dr. Octavius because you're like, oh, right. Like, you, you kind of forget about him. He's, like, yeah. living on the streets, and he's mad at Green Goblin. And then his involvement with Spider-Man is only that because Green Goblin was in the paper, he shows up at Jay Jonas, or Jameson's office to be like, help me find Green Goblin, and Peter Parker just happens to be there. And he's like, oh, you took this picture of Green Goblin I'm going to be watching you in case you see Green Goblin again. It's very... <laughs> so he's like, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching Spider-Man, wow. watching MJ. Um, so uh, I think it was a smart cut, is what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of uh, Dr. Octopus. I wish there was some arbitration over Harvey Dent's part in uh, Dark Knight, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but I mean, did you have anything else to say about the script? I feel I, like I think David. One thing I'd, I'd like uh, for us as all screenwriters of varying whatever. Um, I I think it's written pretty well for what it is. I found myself so far into it and being like, I'm not necessarily enjoying myself, but I can't really stop reading it because it was it was quite economical in places and and you know it kind of got a lot of information across and it had some like. Some kind of emotion, emotionality when they were setting up like Harry as kind of a jerk who's a reluctant jerk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a seed of him being a jerk and being like, a, oh, man, I'm, go- I'm going to go to the dark side if I don't if I don't link up with my cool friends, Peter and MJ. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. But like overall, yeah, it was like they, you could see why David Kep is a super professional who was like the hottest screenwriter in the world for like over a decade. And this you know? feels like a first draft. Like, I feel like oh, you would, yeah, you would read it and you'd be like. Oh, the the story's working. We should get rid of Doctor Octopus, and then you know just kind of punch it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like just the. Um, I, I think it kind of feels a little mechanistic. Uh, mm. You know, just like okay, well, the the structure is all there, but the the characters, the characters were there, but mainly because they were asserted into the story. Mm. Um, versus really feeling any kind of blood. Well, it's like the difference the between page. when you build something, out, you have these 15 pieces you can build something, or you build something out of all the wood you find at the beach or whatever. Yeah. Like there's a distinct difference in those two products. And I think this, yeah. this is him playing with Legos. Yeah. Like these 15 Legos. Yep. And then they made Spider-Man. <laughs> and they made yeah. Spider-Man. I would say the, the only other difference is the end um, after the big three-way battle. Um, both In Green the Goblin- version, it would have been just a big three-way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cordelia, uh, jump on Peter. Norman Osborn is arrested and uh, Dr. Octopus just kind of runs off. So neither of the villains die. 
Yeah, well, keep their keep their options. Open. Yeah, and I guess really quick, David Fincher was up for it before Raimi, and he had just a quick quote. He said the title sequence of the movie I was going to do was going to be a ten minute, basically a video, a music video, an opera, which was going to be the one shot that took you through the entire Peter Parker backstory. You know, so in that 10 minutes, we would have seen bit by a radioactive spider, the death of Uncle Ben, the loss of Mary Jane. And then the movie was going to begin with Peter meeting Gwen Stacy. It was a very different thing. It was going to be the it wasn't the teenager story. It was much more of the guy who settled into being a freak. I was never interested in the Genesis story. I couldn't get past a guy getting bit by a red and blue spider. It was just a problem. It was not something that I felt I could do straight-faced. I wanted to start with Gwen Stacy and the Green Goblin, and I wanted to kill Gwen Stacy. And that's all you had to say about it. It's never a great sign if you're hired for a superhero movie, though, where you're just like, I couldn't get past how dumb this idea is. <laughs> so... Well, uh, yeah, I mean, but I, yes, I'll, I'll do. It. <laughs> yeah, but that, I, I, I think now we're entering kind of a grand age of a lot less people thinking they're slumming it to do yeah. these movies. You know what I mean? Uh, I think we we might have reached the last few of them recently. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I think it's it's good. As, I always as long as you realize, Ang Lee's Hulk, which has elements I like, but mm. the thing that I don't like was that he couldn't seem to get past the idea that it's like it's like a comic book. So the movie's got to have, like, comic book <laughs> well, panels. Weird... I don't know why I'm making Ang Lee sound like Gilbert Godfrey. Well, <laughs> it's a comic book! It's just that thing of, like, hey, honey, I want you to start reading comic books. So here's My Little Pony and She-Ra comics. Like, no, that's really condescending. And that's what the Incredible Hulk movie felt like yeah. to me a lot of the time. But, like, again, we're, we're getting away from that yeah. as, as, as a thing anymore, and that's pretty cool. And looking at all these drafts, you can kind of see like the condes- like it starts with people really having no condescension for the material at all to the point where they're just bored by the origin story and they just speed through and have them fighting Kingpin and this and then the other. Then we kind of get to these origin stories again where people are like, I'm just I got to reintroduce myself to this as an even a concept or an idea and make it palatable to people who watch regular action movies till we circled all the way back to people like Fincher going, I screw the, you know, (laughs) it was a development so long. It was like, you know, it lived long enough to see itself become the villain. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, Oh, you guys, we did it. Four parts of Spider-Man spanning two decades. Uh, thanks so much for coming by, guys. Yes, uh, thank you for Ed, your time. Uh, what was the show? People oh, can check it's, you out. Uh, oh, you can't say it. No, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be. On, I'm gonna be on New Negroes. What is that uh, on? Because this on, is probably on gonna... Comedy Central. It's, when's it it's gonna, gonna be? Uh, it'll be in reruns by the time you watch this. Okay. Forget about That's it. Right. It doesn't freaking matter. But uh, please check out my uh, podcast, Nerd Goat uh, Podcast. We, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to just do deep meditations on people's favorite character and why they like them. I think a lot of things kind of don't focus on why people connect with all these characters because there, there is something inside of us that made us want to spend four hours with Spider-Man. You know what I mean? That's yeah. interesting. So if you have somebody you would like to pontificate this much about on, you know, hit me up, Nerd Goat Podcast and uh, Nerd Goat Twitter. And actually, I was going to ask you because I always plug it at the end of the show. Uh, one of our fellow Electric Surge Network podcasts, the 430 movie, actually I had my friend who was asking me, it's like, what's that reference? And I was kind of trying to explain it, but I didn't, I didn't live through that as a kid. <laughs> you didn't, you're not one of the survivors? No. <laughs> so what is a 430 movie? The 430 movie was uh, what was being programmed on, like sort of its off 
network channels that now would be Fox or the CW. And in the early afternoons, they would always have um, a series of, of movies every week that were connected by a theme. So there might be Godzilla movies one week. It's Godzilla week or Planet of the Apes week or whatever those weeks might be. Um, you know, on the podcast, you know, we, we've gone a little bit past Godzilla. Weirdly enough, on the 430 <laughs> movie podcast, I don't know that we've ever put Godzilla into a lineup um, or Planet of the Apes, which is very strange. But, uh, you know, we, we tend to do all kinds of, of movie genres. But it's hearkening back, you know, to those days of yore. Yeah, I saw Kingdom of the Spiders and mm-hmm. Empire of the Ants on the 4, 430 movie. I was in... I was really young. I used to come home from school and it would be the first thing I'd put on. But I never realized that it was a guy behind the camera. I thought it was this weird creature as the emblem. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I just couldn't I just couldn't figure it out. But I thought, oh, it's a monster and I'm about to watch monster movies. But that was like oh, one of my... Dude. So definitely check out the show. It, it's awesome. So I Thank love you. I'm a fan of it. Thank you. All right, and thank you so much for joining us, you guys. Oh, do you want to give out any social media handles? Oh, I'll just give mine at uh, Edgar Destroys on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and I would encourage people to look at my Instagram and uh, and uh, appreciate some of the art. I, I do art as well. And you can find me on Twitter at Ashmaster Zero. <laughs> Ashmaster. Ashmaster Zero. Uh, and you Spell can. Zero. Find Best Movies Never Made on Instagram, and we're on Twitter as Never Made Films. Uh, and if you're a fan of us, please subscribe, like us, rate us, whatever. Check out our fellow Electric Surge Network podcasts, like the mentioned 430 movie, uh, and also Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, available every Saturday wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including our producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next time, this is Steven Scarlatta and Josh Miller saying we won't see you at the movies. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.